Welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill Athletics. Our goal today is to connect you with coaches from around the world to learn their journey, share their stories, and just figure out who they are and what they're all about. So without further ado, let's get on and find out what today's guest has in store for us. All right. Thanks again for joining us here on the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. I'm super excited to welcome today's guest. I've uh, known her for a while. She's awesome. I mean, this is just going to be a lot of fun. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Miss Amy Deem. Amy, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? Uh, well, I'm not in Miami, and I feel like Miami's kind of like heaven on earth, so maybe not doing as good as you are. Yeah, it is pretty much heaven on earth. It's a great time of the year for us, great training weather, so it's uh getting ready for that Thanksgiving break, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful right now. So when we can't complain when we're recording this, I'm in Champaign, Illinois, it's 37 degrees, I think is what I saw before I put down my phone. What's it in, in Miami right now? Well, when I ran this morning, I was 77. So <laughs> <laughs> it's 79 now, you know, it's a, it's not the perfect day in Miami. We've got a little cloud cover today, just a little. So, you know, 79 and, and a little cloud cover, you know, it could be worse. Where's that world's <laughs> tiniest violin or whatever, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> right. so sorry. So sorry. There's yeah. clouds in Miami. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, no one's going to pity you for that. So let's, uh, no. let's get into it here, <laughs> Amy. Uh, super excited to have you here. Uh, you've got a unique journey and uh, we're just, um, you know, just humble that you'd be here today and, and share that journey with us. Why don't we get started? Why don't we kind of get in our way back machine here? Where does track and field start for you? Middle school, high school? When did you start getting into track? Middle school. I was a tennis player and a swimmer. Um, and I started and uh, my father was very big into, you know, it wasn't clubs and things when I was growing up. So he was very big into the high school, you know, the school sports. So, um, so yeah, I started in middle school. I had a, a great, I actually trained with the boys cause I was better than the girls. So <laughs> I had a, a great coach. Um, his name was Milt Molendek and a great, you know, middle school coach. And I was very fortunate in, in, in middle school and high school to have some really good coaching. And um, so it, it really, I had to make a decision in uh, 10th grade because in West Virginia, track and tennis were at the same time. Yeah, I was going to ask. So right. in middle school, yeah, middle school, I could do tennis in the fall and track in the spring. And I don't know, there was just something that at, even at that early age that attracted me to track. I loved hurdling. So um, I picked track and, you know, 30 some years later, we <laughs> were sitting in Miami on a beautiful day, right? So you, you mentioned, you kind of dropped something real quick there. You know, people get pigeonholed real fast and you've been at Miami for a long time, which we're going to learn about. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people might think you're from Miami or from Florida, but you actually grew up in West Virginia. I grew up in West Virginia and went to school at Ohio University. Yeah. So yeah, and I so wasn't quite ready to move away at, in college, but by the end of college, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> so, <laughs> And what was it about? You said you had to make a decision in sophomore year. And we know your love and passion and expertise and hurdling specifically, but in track and field, what was it about that decision? Was it as close as 50-50 or was it pretty blatant? Like, oh, yeah, OK, I got to make a decision. I'm going track. Um, I don't know. There's just something about track, the challenge of it, the um, 
I don't know if, if it was like an attention span thing, you know, tennis takes like two and three hours and, you know, being a, a primarily a, a sprinter hurdler at the time, I, I don't know. There was just something about track, the competitiveness of it. The, I don't, there was just something that just really drew me in, you know, I guess my personality or whatever, but um, and, you know, I never look back. I mean, I think one of the, the things that I did think about was there's a short window of time to run track. You know, I can play tennis, tennis, golf, those sports you can kind of do your whole life. Um, I'm definitely not a master's runner. So that, you know, but I think that was played into it a little bit. And the fact that track was going to be a short window of time and I wanted to maximize it. And so I always knew I wanted to coach. So that wasn't, that was the easy part. It was just, I just felt like I think track had that short window and to compete. And so I, that's why I chose it. And you mentioned you were a sprinter hurdler yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, you, I was a three hundred hurdler. Well, yeah. that was my best event. How, how did you gravitate towards there versus jumps or you know the mile or two mile? I'm sure you tried those out too. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm a power event. <laughs> I have no endurance. <laughs> I, am, I am a jogger. I, I have no endurance. I'm uh, most happy doing circuits, weight room, and I actually since the pandemic have been running a lot more. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a power event athlete. I'm definitely not an endurance event athlete. I learned that early in life. <laughs> it's, it's good to do those <laughs> things early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, but uh, in all seriousness, my, my middle school junior high coach was a hurdler himself. And he, for some reason, saw something, I don't know, you know, aggressiveness, competitive. I don't know what he saw, but he's, I'm going to make you a hurdler. And um, in my high school, they actually added that when I was a junior in high school, they added the 300 hurdles in West Virginia as a state event. So it was a very good event for me. So before your junior year, the 300 hurdles wasn't even an, an event. No, it was only an invitationals. Wow. Is that yeah. right? That's interesting. Yeah. That, that's one of the events yeah. I thought would have been around everywhere for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I know I, there's some events like, you know, triple jump isn't in some places the yeah. like in Iowa, but the 300 hurdles. Now, I don't know if that was West Virginia was just behind, which could very well be. I don't I don't know why, but I just know it wasn't early on. It wasn't an event for for females. So, did, so. You, but you did it before your junior year. You said like in some invitationals, but then yeah, the, like year. invitational relay meets, they would have it. But it wasn't a state event until my junior year, I think, I believe in high so, school. And so how excited were you when it became like an official? Oh, event? I was I was ecstatic because that's the best event ever. <laughs> It's, you know, it doesn't hurt like the foreigner hurdles. It's, you know, it's just, it's a great, uh, I think it's a great developmental event for young people too. Cause you know, especially younger, you get that, you know, then you can make that move with the additional hundred meters and the two hurdles, but yeah. Yeah. So, so versatile, right? 300 hurdlers. I mean, it's, it's yeah. amazing. And, and uh, girl 300 hurdles in high school has like over the last decade, I mean, it used to be real, real special. Someone would run 41 or under, now we've got mm -hmm. several kids running 41, yeah. 41. It's, I mean, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Is yeah. the, is well, the national record still 39 point? Like, was it Lashinda Demas that did that? Um, did Sydney break it? I'm uh, as she, much she, as I love track. I'm not a stat girl. I can tell you that right now. I'm just, I'm terrible at it. I need yeah. to be better at my, at my 
chosen profession with that, but yeah, I'm not a great stat guy either. So this is two people who don't know stats. Also. So <laughs> everybody's yelling at us right now. That's listening to the podcast. Like, how could you not? Uh, Sydney would yes. probably be a good guess, except for she ran in New Jersey. So maybe she didn't even she run ran the four. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she probably would have obliterated. I mean, come on. She was awesome. Yeah. She probably could have killed it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for a long time, Lashinda held the record. And yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. 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 So as you're going through high school, and you finally get to run your signature event for the state meet in junior year. And you mentioned earlier, you always knew you wanted to coach. When, when did that, so somewhere there had to be a, a switch for you that like, oh, I want to be a coach. When did that actually happen? Um, when I started in sports. Really? So middle school, yeah. middle school, way back in the day. Well, I knew I wanted to teach. So mm. since I was um, little, like literally, for um this is giving you guys a lot of information when i was in first or second grade for i was an only child so for christmas i asked for a chalkboard and my mom helped me and we made a little classroom in the basement and i was a teacher when i was like a little kid wow. so yeah i always thought i would um you know i would teach high school and coach and you know, that would be my life. And what? it's, you know, it could have been a great life. I'm not in right. any way, you know, I, that was, that was really what I wanted to do. Where did and that, it never wavered where, where did until that I from? got to college. Was there a family member or anybody that were teachers no. or, or just, you just, you saw teachers as like this iconic, yeah. like, this is what I want to do. Yes. Wow. Yeah. My mom was a nurse and my dad was a, um, we owned a family owned pharmacy the, the whole time I was growing up. So um, I just knew I didn't want to go into medicine. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You, and, you know, representation, representation matters, right? Like, so seeing others like us mm -hmm. helps us to become that. So it's one thing, you know, teachers has been and continues to be a very female dominated profession. However, coaching even today, but definitely back then, I don't know that there were a lot of female coaches. None of that I don't want to say scared you, but like, that was not like, you're like, Oh, that's cool. I'll just become a coach. I'll be, I don't care if I'm female, I'll, I'll be a coach. No. My dad was, um, it's a common saying now, but I mean, I always thought he wished I was a boy, but <laughs> he was a girl dad. You know what I mean? Like he, like there was, I grew up, you know, virtually the only thing he wouldn't let me do is play little league. Even the boys on the little league team begged and they, he wouldn't let me play, but he wasn't ready for that. But, but, um, but he, uh, he was a, a really like, he pushed me. He never, there were never boundaries in my house. So um, fortunately, um, you know, I look at it now because there's a lot of, there's, you know, there's a lot of like, you have to see somebody, you know, like if you mm -hmm. see, see somebody that looks like you, um, fortunately for me, um, I guess I had a very dad that was, you know, you work hard, you, you know, you, you pick your goals, you work hard and um, you can achieve it. So I never really, I did, you know, in all fairness, I had a wonderful high school coach who was a female, mm -hmm. but at that point I had already wanted to be a coach because I like, you know, I like all the coaches I had before that, that were male. So, um, so for me, it was, it's just something I always wanted to do. I always had a passion. I was always a people person, believe it or not, being an only child, I was still a people person. And um, it was just, I never wavered. Hey, full, so. full, full rep for uh, single kids. Uh, I'm an only <laughs> child as well, man. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, that, that's awesome. And your coach was female as well. So kind of like reinforcement. In high yeah, in high school. Yeah. yeah. So reinforcement yeah. even on like, oh yeah, yeah, see, we can do that's normal. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, this, this isn't like, I've thought of, I've reflected on this a lot because just because of how things have changed in, 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 in the coaching profession. And, um, but I don't, I never looked, I mean, clearly I looked at her as a female, but I, or, or coach Malendek as a man, to me, it's just, it was about good coaching and getting better. So it wasn't about, Oh, I want to be coached by a female. Oh, I want to be coached by a male. Oh, I want to be coached by, I want to be, I wanted to be coached by people that inspired me and that were going to help me get to where I wanted to go. Hmm. So I think that's kind of actually even played into my, my, my philosophy as a coach, you know? So, well, that's a great segue. So how did you pick being that your thought was, I don't care about gender and color of my coach. I just want a good coach. How did you end up picking to go to Ohio University for college track? Um, to be honest, I picked it. I mean, I picked it because I was recruited, but I really, I went to school. I went to um, a field day in ninth grade there at the camp. And I loved the campus. I just loved it. And I didn't want to go. Um, I wanted to go, I didn't, wasn't ready to go real far away, but at the same time, I didn't want to go to Marshall or West Virginia. I wanted to branch out and go places where I would meet new people. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to go to school where every, you know, where everybody in your high school goes to school. So, um, so that was my decision. Um, I really liked the school. I never regretted it once. Um, My parents gave me some advice, which I actually use in recruiting that, you know, they were like, you know, make sure when you pick a school, you pick it to, you know, that you would want to be there if you could never run again, mm-hmm. or you never could participate again, you know, so, um, and then for me, that ended up being, you know, great advice, because I had two knee surgeries in college, so, um, and I still love the school, and, uh, you know, and so, yeah. Wow, did that, I assume you uh, maybe specialized in the foreigner hurdles when you went to college, or did you go down to short? Yeah. What happened with these knees? No. Oh, I don't know, not a good <laughs> knee. <laughs> Not a good knee. No horrific story of like tripping over the hurdle and <laughs> no, 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 okay, no. Good, I wish good, it good. was that good. I just don't think I was blessed with a good <laughs> knee. But although I had surgery when I first got to Miami and I really haven't had any problems since. So that was a good thing. So how did your college career go? Uh very short. I was because of the knee issues and uh, um so I um and for me it was sad, but at the same time. I helped out at a high school. I helped out, um, you know, when I finished school, I started a, a GA ship at, at, um, cause I wanted to coach and coach Batten at, at OU was very helpful and very encouraging. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And I started, that's I kind of, I'm one of those people that has to always be busy. Mm. I'm not a sit around person. So for me, I mean, I was going to school, but like I've, I found that I got involved at Athens County High School and helped out there and just tried to stay busy and, and, um, you know, and get my degree and get ready for the next part of my life. And can I assume you majored in education? Yeah, I had a K through 12 um, health degree and a biology degree. So I could teach second, I was going to teach science in high school. That's awesome. So I did my, I did my student teaching in middle school. So. Uh, you know, my, my wife substitute teaches and middle school is the one school she won't sub in. She's like, high school's fine. Uh, you know, elementary school, she doesn't want to mess around with the middle schoolers. She just, she's like, yeah. she's literally I had a fearful. ball. 
Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I had a ball. They One day they were, you know, young and the next day they acted, you know, it was just, you never knew what you were going to get. So. Very tweener there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was I the... probably wouldn't have taught middle school just because I wanted to coach high school at that point, but yeah. All right. So, so what was the plan? So you, you're going through your GA ship, you're coaching, you're working with Athens high mm -hmm. school. What, what's the next step to coaching coach and how did college coaching play into it versus becoming that teacher and coach in high school? So my, um, athletic trainer, um, who was in charge of my knee, hey, probably um, real, real good got, friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. She was, um, you know, a year or two older than I was cause she was a GA at the time. Um, she got a job at the university of Miami. So, um, I came to visit her for spring break, my senior year in college. And, um, I was getting my master's in sports administration that next year. So um, I set up an internship at the time, Ohio University had that, you know, we were off from Thanksgiving to, we were on quarter. So we were off from Thanksgiving to, to the first of the year. So I set up, uh, when I was here for spring break, I set up an internship to do in the administration at, at Miami. Um, and they said yes. So um, in Thanksgiving, the week before Thanksgiving, after finals, I got in my car and I drove to uh, South Florida from Ohio to do my six-week internship, and I never went back. I mean, that's quite amazing, Amy. The you can call it serendipity, you can call it fate, <laughs> but you, you a you go to Ohio, uh, you have enough issues that you become BFF with the, the trainer. <laughs> <laughs> right. The trainer happens to go to Miami, and you just visit. And then you set up this internship and here we are 30 years later. I mean, right. what, what if she would have went to Syracuse? Uh, I Texas don't know. State, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's quite right? amazing. Yeah. D yeah. Did you, so. did you fall in love with Miami when you came down for that visit? Like, was yes. it like, oh, this is like I said yes. earlier, heaven on earth, you know, this is, yes. this is the place. Yeah. I'm an outdoor person. I like, um, you know, I just, I love I, I just, I loved it here. And I mean, it took some while to get used to, but, you know, coming from Athens, Ohio and, and West Virginia, but, um, but yeah, I just, I love the weather. I loved, uh, um, you know, I, I got here, I did the internship. They offered to, they offered me a position to stay. Um, so I, I became a, basically a GA here. Um, at the time there was, uh, it was an elementary school teacher that came over in the afternoons, it was very part-time program at Miami, both men and women. Mm. Um, and then um, the legendary uh, athletic director who brought in um, Jimmy Johnson to Miami, he brought in, um, I I'm not sure if he brought in Schnellenberger or not, that was pre-me, pre but um, he was very, uh, he actually, couple years, gender equity, Title IX, you know, there are some things they needed to do in the athletic department to, to be compliant. And they were starting to add women's sports. And I convinced him that I could do the job. And I don't know how, but I did. <laughs> and he hired me. And, uh, you know, and I guess the rest is. So I was here, I think it was a year or two. I can't, it was a year or two I was here. Um, and then just sort of 50 50, I was in the athletic department. 50% of the time. And then in the afternoons, I would go out and help with track and field. So it's like your best recruiting job, convincing him to, to give you the job, yes. the full-time job. All I know is when I got it, I was like, I am not messing this thing up, you know, like, 
Yeah, you know, so, hey, I so just check that off success. I mean, <laughs> we can look back now and go, okay, you, you did that. Yeah. So did you start out then as the head women's coach or an assistant women's coach? What did you actually start out full time? So they brought in, um, they brought in Rodney Price. He was at Nebraska at the mm -hmm. time um, to oversee um, because I was very young. Sure. Um, and then, he, and then, and I was primarily with the women and um, we worked together uh, a few years and then um, he left and then they hired, uh, they hired the distance coach at the time, Mike Ward. Hmm. Um, and so, and then, and then at that point I was primarily all women and Mike was was the men. So, um, and that stayed that way till I believe it was 2009 when Mike retired. And then, uh, and then we decided, they decided that um, we could, that was the trend programs were combining at that point. Right. Um, so we, uh, so that's when we combined, but for the first till 2009 or 10, it was, I was primarily just the women's head coach. So, you know, on this podcast, we go through your whole journey and typically that's from this school to this school. Uh, well, we're done. You, you, you're in Miami and we're done. So this podcast, we're done 20, 20 minute podcast. And we're done. Uh, no, I, I, See, I told you I couldn't talk for two <laughs> <That's> hours. <right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, the, the cool thing about this is, you know, we get to explore this really unique journey of yours of now, what, what year is this going to be? You've been there 30 years, right? 31, 32. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's amazing. 31. Uh, and I'm, and I don't know, you know, I don't, I'm not a history guy in the sense, so I don't want to overstate stats, but for sure, maybe we can agree that the trend is not for coaches to be college coaches, to be at a place for 30 years. Right. right? Um, a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, uh, which feels like, you know, a decade ago now at this point, right. uh, I, I was at the, um, uh, coaches convention and sitting around with a couple of coaches and we started talking about coaches that have been at their place for a significant amount of time. Uh, mm -hmm. and you know, we were able to rattle off about 10 and then like it got crickets. It's like, well, who, else? you know, it was like, honestly, Amy, you were in there. Curtis Fry was in there, you know, people like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. Been there a long time. Uh, but then it got, you know, after a couple it was like, oh, yeah. what about so and so? No, no, uh, she's only been there a couple of years. And then she was, you know, before mm -hmm. that, she was here, and that, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so, talk to us about you. You've seen not only with your experience of thirty years of coaching, but thirty years specifically at one university, and that university being Miami. You've seen a lot of changes in collegiate track and field. B bring it down one layer. What have been the changes at? Miami as it relates to track and field. And, and, and what I mean by that is recruiting differences, uh, coaching staff, uh, et cetera. What, what, what have you seen progress uh, as you've been there throughout the time? I mean, I think there's, um, there's, you know, definitely we've been fortunate here where um, from the president, you know, president back to president Shalala, mm -hmm. Donna Shalala through um, even president Frank now, um, you know, there's just been a, um, they care about track, they, you know, so that's, that's always been, you know, one of the things that we're a smaller athletic department being a private school. Um, you know, if you, we're not a school like that has 30 some sports, you know, it, so I think there's some things about Miami that, um, I really like, you know, you have, you have the city of Miami and, and all the great things and it's very multicultural, you know, so any, almost anything you, restaurants, you know, music, anything, the beaches. So there's so much here. And then, um, but you have that small private school. 
Um, so I think that's that's one of the things and, and to watch the, you know, uh, so that for me, spending the majority of my day, you know, on the University of Miami campus, you don't really feel like you're, you know, in a big city. So um, I, so that part I really, really like. Um, and then I just, I always felt like, I guess, and I don't know if this is answers your question, but I always feel like we could, there's more we can accomplish, um, you know, and I always feel like, you know, just when, you know, I, I just, I really truly believe that we can continue to get better. Um, and then in the, when we, when I took over the men's program, the challenges of, of doing that, um, you know, and then I really, it, it's taken a little bit to be very frank with you. It's taken a little longer than I had hoped. Um, but now I feel like our men's, you know, the funding, the support from the university, I, you know, I feel like our men's program, we've, we've got some good young talent. So I'm, I'm just excited. I've just, I'm, I'm always, I'm still motivated to get better here. And, you know, a lot changes. We all, you know, I don't know that there's any changes at Miami that are any different, you know, than anywhere in the country, whether it's, you know, just things, the way our sport has evolved. Um, but I do, you know, I just, I really like being here and I think that there's things that we can accomplish and, um, you know, I, I think we're in a great conference and there's just, you know, if you look at everything, you know, I'm just not a person that where I think the grass is always greener, you know, I think. And so for me, I just, I'm, I'm not content so that don't, don't misinterpret right. that. You know, I, I come here every day trying to figure out how to get better and, you know, things like that. But I, I just, I, I, I there's a commitment. Um, I think that, uh, track is important here. So for those, for, for me, that was important to be somewhere where, you know, where track is important, where they care about how we, we finish. There's an expectation. Um, Mm. So for me, I want to be somewhere where there is a high level of expectation. Well, I I don't think anybody can say your grass is greener than a side person since (laughs) you stayed in your grass for a long time. Yeah. When, you know, when we move and, and by the way, I'm the guy, you know, when I coached college track, I did it for 10 years and I was at five different places. So I'm mm-hmm. that guy that was like, I, I thought I knew what I was, I was searching for something mm-hmm. and I thought I was, and then I got there and I was like, oh, well, this ain't, you know, uh, this is not the grass is a creator. Another side, I should have stayed right. back, you know, but, um, well, I lost my train. I thought I was gonna ask that question there. But, uh, so what, ha- so when, when, when we do move, so like in my, my example, you know, mm-hmm. I went to five different places, you know, there's a, there's an adjustment period of whether it's a month, a semester could be a year two two years of, you know, learning the system, right. The school, the advantages, mm-hmm. the disadvantage, so you can recruit off of it, what you're selling to, to young men and women out there. You haven't had that. What, what advantage has that given you being at, you know, and certainly Miami, like you said, has changed as far as, you know, the school and of course the sport, but that's, it's changed with all of collegiate in that sense. Right. But, but you, in the, you know, the president will change and AD might change things like that, but you always know, quote unquote, the Miami way, like, here's what we mm-hmm. consider important. Here's what's great about our school. Uh, think, you know, facilities, et cetera. How, how much of an advantage has that been for you over this time frame, and, and that's a really crazy question because you don't know the alternative. Meaning, you don't right. know you don't know going to a different school after five years of being a Miami. You know, what I'm yeah. Saying? Well, I think um, you know, I think that you have to take advantage of your strengths. You know, and, and the strengths at the University of Miami aren't the strengths of other schools. I think one of the things you have to do if you're gonna, because I, you know, I have thought about this a lot. I think one of the things you have to do though is you have to, you know 
we travel to other schools to compete. So you see, but I really think you have to, you have to have a line of communication with people. You have to, you can't get set in. It's just the Miami way. You know, I'm, I'm, when I bring in a new, you know, assistant or new staff member, you know, I'm always open. I challenge them to, to challenge me, you know, because again, there's advantages and disadvantages to being at the same place. And so if you're not searching and not asking questions and not making sure that you're not stuck in your own little bubble and, and the sport is passing you by, you know, then, so for me, it's just really been, you know, relying on friends, just being, making sure I staying current in what's going on, not just at the university of Miami, but nationally, what are, what are schools putting into their program? What do we need to put in our program to still stay relevant? Those type of things. So, um, you know, so again, I, I do think there's advantages and disadvantages to being at, at some place for 31 years, you know, but I do think that if you, if you attack it in the right way that you can, you know, there's stability, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I still get the question, but you know, it's a little different question now, but, do, but do, I still do get you, the question of, you know, are you going to be here when my son or daughter is going to be here? You know, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I, I had that as a thought to ask you. And I was like, there's no way, like, cause I was gonna ask you like, Oh, oh man, we lost her. Let's see if she pops back in here. Uh, she said she was having some iPad issues, but, uh, didn't know it cut out. That's okay. She'll be right back in here. I know she will. So this is where I have to fill the air or I have to cut it out and edit it, which I don't like editing. So uh, I'm sure Amy will join us here and we'll continue this conversation about uh, the advantages of staying at a place for 31 years and really blown away that she still gets the question of, will she be here when her, uh, when the, when the uh, mom or dad ask about their kid's graduation, I was going to ask her, when did that question stop happening? Like, was it 10 years into Miami, uh, 20 years, et cetera. Eventually it had to stop. I'm surprised that it hasn't. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, it, it's the uh, expertise of a podcast. I went away. Host. Sorry about that. I, I had to fill the dead air. I was, I was doing a good job. <laughs> So, I don't know what happened there. All good. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask you, one of my questions was going to be, you know, hey, so when did the question stop? Was it after 10 years, 20 years about the, you know, are you going to be here? And you're saying after 30, and I know it's a different question, you know, now it's the, the R word, the retirement question probably now. Yeah, I was going to go there. Yeah. I was offended. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's like, I got plenty of time. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our, uh, the AD that I spent a majority of my career with early on used to, when we speak and go to, you know, fundraising, he said, yeah, we hired her at 15. So, you know, but yeah, the first time I got the, like, well, are you going to retire? I was like, I'm like, do I look that old? And something, you know, like I, I was really kind of, you know, taken aback by it. Um, but uh, but yeah, so no, it, it, but I still, I actually, now I get that question and, um, you know, how, not necessarily the retirement, but, well, you've been coaching for this long, you know, are you still motivated? I think is, is a different way that the, oh. the question's been asked as well. So, Interesting. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, but so I'm, I'm extremely motivated and if, you know, and I wasn't planning it prior, 
but if COVID taught me anything is that, and, and I'm not a retirement person. So, you know, I, I love what I do. I love the energy of, of the young people that we work with. And so for me, it's, you know, sitting at home for five months was definitely you get your priorities. Right. If they weren't in check, they're in check now. So, um, but yeah, I, I, and you know, I, 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 uh, I give that to my father as well. My dad was, was, uh, a part-time pharmacist until he was 79 years old. And the only reason he oh, wow. stopped was because of, of dementia, you know, that, those type. it wasn't physical. It was the mental part. And, uh, but he just, you know, I definitely inherited that from him. I'm a, I'm an active person. So yeah, yeah you, I'm, you, I'm not going anywhere. So yeah, you mentioned you can't even sit like for a couple hours, you just can't sit, you've got to be always doing something. So how did you yeah. overcome that? Or what did you do during COVID? You, you, you lost your one of your real passions. And that's working with young people that got taken yeah. away for a time. I don't see you sitting down on the couch reading books for hours at a time. What would you no, do? I, I had just come off of yeah, I broke my foot in January before COVID. So I had just come off of, I just was cleared, right? Like literally the Monday we got back from New Mexico, I got cleared by the doctor to start, you know, my return to activity. So I, uh, I did my own return to running program and which I, you'd hope at this point I could do that. Right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I probably uh, at one point, uh, Kahlua, my Labradoodle, and I probably were logging about 35 miles a week, 40 miles, which, which for an old sprint hurdle person, that's a wow. lot. Uh, we would go out on the second walk or run of the day, and he'd look at me like, and this is a dog that never runs out of energy, right? And he's like, we're going again? <laughs> we learned every side street. Uh, we walked through neighborhoods with beautiful, you know, looking at people's homes and mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, we were, we couldn't sit still. So we were, we were very active. And then I was fortunate to have a couple post collegians. So um, I would ride my bike and we would, we were able to do some work around a golf course and I would ride my bike and, and do some, you know, just some 30, 60, whatever second runs on and off, just stuff to keep active. So um, if it wasn't for my Labradoodle and, uh, and, and my post collegian group, it would have been, uh, it would have been a little, I, I don't know what I would have done. A little stir so. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And good weather. You know, yeah. I was able to get out. <laughs> I, I knew so. I, I, I should have waited until like the summer to interview because then I could at least say, well, it's, you know, it's 85 outside. But right now, yeah. every time you say good weather, I'm like, yeah, it's cold and, and it's only getting colder. That's the, the yeah. real sad part about up here. You, you mentioned uh, post-collegiate group. I'm always interested, you know, a, a collegiate coach, you have so many responsibilities for your program and for your kids and uh, for recruiting the next, you know, there's always that constant mm -hmm. recruiting, getting the next wave. And then the collegiate coaches that also take on a post-collegiate, you know, professional athlete, and you have certainly mm -hmm. had amazing athletes and had that opportunity. How do you balance that? The, you know, it's, it's two different, th same sport, two different things, right? Different priorities, right. different training cycles, et cetera. How do you yeah. prioritize that time and commitment? Um, you know, it just, it's, uh, it actually, it, it works for me. I've, you know, since Lauren Williams and Debbie Ferguson were two of my first, um, you know, at that level, it's just, you know, there's just, if I have to do whatever, I don't have, I have great assistance first and foremost. Um, so I think that that helps that definitely helps. And then I just, I just think that if you, you know, that hour or two 
but you're not in the office, you know, that it has to get done. Either. I'm a normally morning person. So mm. I like to get in and get stuff done. And then, um, and then once I'm on the track, then it's after practice, it's, you know, recruiting or whatever, but I try to, I try to get in and get stuff done. So, you know, why other people might be going to lunch or, you know, those type of things, you know, I try to use that mid morning to early afternoon time frame for my post collegiates. And then, mm. then I just bleed right into the collegiate. Um, I've been fortunate. I, you know, I, I don't have, I just have a labradoodle, so <laughs> I don't have children. So for me, you know, I know for some coaches, it's a challenge because, you know, the summer commitment, I always, for me, the, the summer part was, was, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed traveling track and field is afforded me so many yeah. i've seen so much of the world that i would have never seen without track and field right. so um so for me that was you know that was i enjoyed that part of it as well so um you know just i i love what i do and and it takes up almost every day of, of you know every day of the year so and i'm fine with that you know it, it might it might not be for everybody but for me i I love what I do. I love being around the people. And if we have a week off in the, you know, in, in indoor season and I got to, I'm either going out recruiting or I'm going with, you know, with a post-collegiate to a meet or whatever. So, you know, in May during final exams, I, I might, I'll probably go with a post-collegiate. So it's just, if I'm going to make that commitment, then it has to be a full-time, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all in. So, you know, I try to, if you do train with a college coach, you, you understand that there, are, there is the priority of mm-hmm. University of Miami is my primary responsibility and the young people that are on our teams. But at the same time, um, you know, I think that even some of the professional, you know, the more professional groups, they can't be with eight or 10 athletes if they're at different meets, you know, so it's mm-hmm. track athletes are our unique in the aspect that they, I think they can, they learn, they're very resilient and they learn to, you know, I personally feel like you have to foster an independence the longer, you know, I don't want to foster a dependency as a coach. I want to foster an independency. I want them to understand why they do what they do. And if I can't be there or a coach can't be there, they, you know, but clearly you're there at the championships and the meets that, that truly matter. Can you expound on that? I I think that's an important topic that I'm not sure we've actually approached it on the podcast. I know uh, I've spoke about it or I've been in conversations in like coaches collab uh, in the now defunct beyond the the track uh, Facebook groups. But you, you said something real important there about dependency, codependency independence with athletes and coach Mm -hmm. relationship. Right. And I've seen both sides and everything in between. I've seen, uh, coaches and athletes that, you know, the athlete looks for the coach of like, can I eat lunch now? Like they're so codependent on everything. Uh, I can't do my warm up without you. I can't do my runway work, whatever the case may be. Uh, and the, the opposite side of like, yeah, I probably want to be at the meet. You'll be fine. (laughs) you know but but you you mentioned there about I don't you said I don't want to foster dependent athletes or maybe you said it the other way actually I want to foster independent athletes like if I can't Mm -hmm. be at that meet or if I can't be at that uh, event area for because I'm coaching another event or whatnot uh talk to us about the importance of that because I think that's really important I don't think it's necessarily healthy to 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 create these extreme codependent relationships right no I mean I think each young person is different um, you know, at one point I had three, 400 hurdlers at the NCAA final and all three of them were very different. One wanted you right there mm. and, you know, and wanted, you know, uh, wanted your 
undivided attention. This is probably a strong word, but you know, they wanted the, they wanted you there. They wanted the credit, the, the, the critique. Um, one was off on the other side. They just wanted to know where I was. And one was somewhere in the middle, you know? So, and that, that to me is the best example of, of student athletes, you know, they, there's, so I think first is identifying, you know, the coach athlete relationship and then, and then fostering and building that relationship from there. But, but I believe the longer you're in, in our program, clearly a freshman is a little bit different than, you know, we, I have a six year senior now between coming in, you know, with an injury, so redshirt their freshman year to COVID now they're, they're sixth year and, you know, they're finally a senior, unfortunately they're a senior, but, but um, you know, like they, you know, so I, that athlete is going to be a lot different than the incoming freshman, even on your own team. So, and that's just, I just feel like as, you know, as you grow, as we grow in the coach athlete relationship, they need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. I want to, to ask questions. I want them to understand so that we do have a sport where at times coaches can't be with their athletes. So, um, you know, and we don't always, even, even from the, from the, you know, IAA or the world athletics level to the NCAA level, you know, there's, there's a philosophy, you know, sometimes we have to fight to even get our field event athletes from the middle of the field over to talk to their coach. So there's, right. you know, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, that we deal with in our sport. So to foster that, that, you know, confidence and that independence of, you know, being able to understand what they do and if they have to make a decision, you know, if the, if a young person doesn't know how to set up their hurdle drill and they can get on the track, but I can't, you know, it's the little thing, but those are things that, you know, I really try to work with our student athletes, you know, and our, and my post-collegian so that if they do, you know, if they, if I'm on the other side of the track with somebody else, they, I don't have to go get them to start warming up. You know, there's, you just, I just really truly believe that for them to be the best athlete, that they have to be involved in the process. And as they grow, as they get older, that they become more and more involved in the process. Yeah. That, that, that's and a, the post-collegiate, to be honest, a post-collegiate, you're working for them. Mm. They're paying you. So, you know, right. it's their, you know, so to me, they've got to have some, they've got to have an understanding and what's going on and why, and, you know, I, I like so. how you put that about being involved in the process, not just the process is happening to you as the athlete, but you're actually mm -hmm. involved because there has to be like a level of adaptability. Right. I mean, I, I always mm -hmm. think of the pro side, cause you know, the, the, you know, a lot of people sometimes they don't realize how good they got it when they're a collegiate athlete versus mm -hmm. a pro it's like, Oh man, I, I now have to schedule my own travel and uh, you know, all yeah. PT and all these things like it just mm -hmm. happened when I was at Miami, you know? Uh, so there has to be a level of adaptability, but even that, you know, talking about a big meet or, or, whatnot and you can't get on the track or the way they have it set up the athlete you know is yelling 50 meters away trying to get your attention it, mm -hmm. and that athlete has either been taught or has the ability to go with the flow and figure it out and you know mm -hmm. think about all the the training that has happened okay let's put it in action or they freak out and have a bad meet and that might not be the meet they want to have a, a bad <laughs> a bad competition yeah. at. so i like that being involved right. in the in the process
Let's change a little bit here and let's talk about mentors. Uh, you have coached for many, many years. You had great uh, coaches in high school and college. What, what mentors, what has mentorship played in your role as far as your coaching philosophy? Now, we don't talk X's and O's, and I know everybody right now is listening saying, please make Amy tell me how to coach hurdlers faster because you've had a, <laughs> you've had a billion of them. I'd love to know what your all-star four by 100 hurdles team would be like the four <laughs> top, like that would be an amazing team, by the way. But, um, but more about what is mentorship and who have been some of the mentors that you've leaned on to help well, expand your, your knowledge and, and um, uh, expertise yeah. in coaching. Well, it kind of ties into what we were talking about a little bit before. I, I think that that is probably a, maybe a disadvantage in to me in the early stages of my career, because um I wasn't able to work for some of the great coaches out there. They've done a great job of mentoring young people and they've gone on to be, you know, are doing a great job as head coaches. So, um, but for me, um, I was fortunate to get involved with, at the time it was, you know, USA track and field, the coaching education programs. Um, I did. And to be honest, that was, I give, you know, up to, that point I mean to make that next step to have to be able to coach some of the hurdlers and and the young people that we've been I've been fortunate to coach over the years I really give the credit to that program and to the the relationships that I fostered through that program I mean people like Gary Winkler Dan Paff you know like you said there was you know Terry Crawford was very very you know she was at the height of her career when I was coming in but she was a distance coach there wasn't you know there wasn't that, that, you know, Bev was just, you know, coming in and, and just, she just left Florida and was, and went to Texas. So there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, that type of, but I was fortunate with the coaching education program. Um, and, and those people that, you know, boo, you know, people are still very involved, you know, um, Vince Anderson, just a lot of people that, that were involved in that program and just sitting there, um, way back, you know, Gary would invite, you know, coaches in to do these weekends, you know, and we would brainstorm and, you know, I was just a fly on the wall. I, I, I never thought I was, you know, I, I just had so much respect for them and I would just listen, 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 you know, and absorb yeah. and so, smart. Um, so I, yeah, so I, you know, I really give credit to that program. Um, I think it's, you know, I know it's split a little bit, you know, with the coaches association and stuff, but there were some really, really good people. Um, and it really allowed me to establish a foundation and then, and build my philosophies from there. And, you know, and a lot of those people are still, you know, a phone call away if, mm-hmm. if, you know, you just want it. But, um, so for me, it was really the coaching education programs that, um, really, you know, set that foundation. And, and then I developed the mentorships from that. So, and so yeah. now take it to the other side of it, then what are you doing and how are you playing the role of mentor yourself there you know you've coached a lot of people that have gone on to become coaches mm-hmm. there are young people that have come through other programs that now see wow amy look what she's done amy mm-hmm. help me out here what what is what do you feel like your role is and how are you enacting your mentorship for others i mean i i try I, I'm, I'm probably not as strong at it as i need to be um but the uh you know i've really i've really tried to work with the assistants you know early on i've had um, you know, I've had a lot of young assistants come through the program. So, um, really try to help them 
navigate everything and, and, you know, and instill the, that, uh, you know, do they want to be a head coach? What are their, what are their long-term aspirations? And then just try to share my journey and, and help them navigate, um, you know, that system. Um, I'm always a phone call way. I have some, you know, some of the younger coaches that I've, um, that I've worked with. And um, so, yeah, I, I really try to give back, you know, it's recruiting and things don't always uh, don't allow us to do as much as we, you know, and it's really exciting to see um, even some of the athletes, you know, that I was involved with, you know, like Carmelita, some of the athletes that are really taking on roles, um, you know, in our, in the, in the sport now and, you know, working with them on national teams and, and seeing them really, you know, evolve and, and things. It's, it's really exciting. It's, it's, you know, to see the amount of female coaches out there that are, you know, excelling and, you know, it definitely doesn't look like it looked, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that, Amy? It's one thing, you know, to coach a kid up to be an All-American and national titles and winning ACC titles mm-hmm. and things and other titles and coaching on, on uh, um, inter- um, uh, international teams. But how cool is it when you see one of your athletes, a former an alumni, uh, either go on to become a coach and do real well or become a teacher? I mean, you know, you have the heart yeah. of a teacher here. How cool is it to look back and see kids and it's like, oh, man, look how awesome you've become. Like, I mean, yeah. what does that mean to you? Oh, it means a lot. I mean, not just coaching. I mean, to see, you know, we have an alumni meet in April every year and to see, you know, them come back and with their kids and, you know, just being parents, being, you know, just everything they've accomplished and, you know, having doctors, you know, mm-hmm. that have come out of the program, just it's that, you know, that's, I said it a couple of years ago in a speech, you know, I really did get into, I wanted to teach, but my ultimate goal was to make a difference in young people's lives. So, um, you know, so that was, and it sounds kind of, you know, I think we're in kind of a cynical world right now in some aspects, but it really truly is. I mean, yes, you know, you want to win and all those things, but if you're only in it for winning, you, you probably you may not be in it very long and, you know, you've got to, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, you have to be, to me, you have to be motivated by something, not just, you know, winning championships, you know, the the development, the, the, you know, seeing the improvement in the young people that you coach and those types of the relationships you build. So for me, that's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, you know, you talked about cynical attitudes, you know, how you beat cynicism, you, you live your truth continually, you know, and, and right. what you said there, and I've said this a hundred times, and I'll say it a, a thousand times more, you know, the, the positive influence a coach can have right where his or her feet are. I mean, it's, it's one thing you're in Miami, so it's a big city in the big program, but whether you're at you know, um, Athens High School, <laughs> University of Miami, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. You have the ability to positively influence 14 to 22 year olds, depending on what level you're coaching and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, don't lose that power. Don't, don't think that what you do doesn't matter. You're exactly right. It, it's not just about crossing that finish line and getting the, the trophy. It's also about kids that become moms and dads and uh, mm-hmm. grandparents and, you know, uh, right. doctors, lawyers, business owners, CEOs. I mean, that's, that, that's the grander scheme of it all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you beat cynicism by continuing to live that, that truth there. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Amy, we're going to have a little fun. 
<laughs> I figured this was safe. I know you well enough that I can, I can, <laughs> and we can have a little fun here. I thought of one more as we were talking. So I want to put this in here. We're going to play a little game. <laughs> uh, don't get scared. Don't get scared. We're going to play a little game called underrated, overrated. So I've got some, some terms, some, uh, some things, whether they're people, places, not people. I don't want to call anybody out like that. Uh, <laughs> but I got some fun things here. And you're going to tell us your opinion. Would you think it's underrated or overrated? And then just a sentence or two of just like, why, why in the world would you, mm -hmm. you think that? Uh, I, I finally watched, have you ever seen the uh, interview show called Hot Ones, where they eat the wings and they interview people? Have you ever seen that? Mm -mm, no. I just saw the very first one that I've ever seen. It was Justin Timberlake. And they go from like, you know, like pretty bland wing, you know, chicken wings, all the way up mm -hmm. to like two, you know, they, 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 um, they rate those on Scoville units. Uh, and I think a jalapeno is like 50. So that tells you, a, you know, kind of a baseline, right? We've all had a jalapeno before. They go all the way up to 2 million Scovilles. And, and Justin Timberlake's face, like, you know, he starts out as his normal JT face, right? And by the end, he's red and sweating. He's trying to answer these questions. And I was like, that would be so cool, except for the host also <laughs> ate them. And, and I can't do that. So I was like, all right, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to make you eat hot wings and all that kind of yeah. stuff, but I'm going to do underrated, overrated. So are, are you ready? You're talking to somebody that who never watches reality TV. So you, like, uh, that's a whole conversation in itself, but <laughs> you, you read my mind. It's in, it's in here. We're going to get there. Hold on. We're going to okay. get there. All right, let's do underrated, overrated. Amy Dean, tell us, what do you think about Disney world? Overrated. Overrated. Now yes. you're breaking everybody's hearts. Why overrated? Is it because you're basically, I mean, it's still a little ways away from you, but you're basically down the road. I've never been there. Oh, <laughs> and, and the times I've talked to my friends who've taken their kids, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm good with that. I, I'm a, I'm a sea world person or, you know, I'm going to go watch the, the, the dolphins and the, yeah, you know, so I'll, I'll go to a zoo. I'm not, uh, yeah. I'm not a big lines and crowds. And so I, it's, I'm with yeah. you. My wife, so. she would say it's underrated because she would go there every day. Right. I've, been, I've been there once or twice now and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like we, we don't have to go yeah. back. We're good. Yes. Buffalo, Buffalo Wild Wings, the, the restaurant, Buffalo Wild Wings, underrated, overrated. Uh, underrated underrated what's what's your go-to sauce what's your go-to heat uh i'm garlic and pepper i don't like sauces nice you like the dry yes. rub yeah I'm yes with, yes i'm with you i'm yes. with you and uh, you can watch sports it's got sports on every you know tv all so all over i love it i love yes. it uh underrated overrated skateboarding in the olympics um, overrated right i'm a traditionalist what's it doing in the olympics Skate, I, skateboarding's I cool but yeah. What's it, what's I don't it mean doing? to upset anybody, but yeah. Hey, don't worry. I think our skateboarding audience is extremely small. Amy. <laughs> We're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Okay. Uh, Adidas. Under. Right? Yes. Big Adidas fan. Big Adidas fan. Yes. Uh, all day. Yes. They give us, Adidas treats us extremely well. So um, love the product. Uh, just, yeah, we, they treat us well and, and uh, yeah. Totally. I, I love Adidas. I posted, I was very blessed. You guys gave me uh, actually a couple of shirts. I gotta be real honest with you. I love you guys. Yeah. Uh, and I posted a picture the other day, you know, throwing up the U and I talked about the yes. brand of the university of Miami, like all day people mm -hmm. were like, I mean, they literally, I was just walking someone would just throw up the U. I got home and my wife looked at me and she, she threw up the U. <laughs> 
and someone mentioned about Adidas. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, all day I dream about South Beach. That's what Adidas stands for me. That's right. It's Adidas, extremely underrated, really great. Uh, okay, because <laughs> I wanted you to get a chance. You mentioned, uh, I want to say this person earlier, underrated, overrated, Kalua the dog. Oh, underrated. He is the best. <laughs> and as you well remember, you can't see it. It's in the behind me, but I still have my hurdle board. You know, I wondered if that's still yeah. oh. the collection. All right. Good. Yes, good. Yes. I, I still am waiting on the video of Kalua hurdling the, the gay board. Yeah. Come on. We got to make that happen. You know, we did a community service this past weekend, cleaning up one of the beaches. And I don't know who had more fun, our student athletes or Kahlua, because he was just swimming and they let him, we, some of the kids went out in kayaks and were picking up, you know, water bottles and things in the, in the, in the Bay Ocean area. And Kahlua was swimming out to, you know, to catch them. And, it, you know, it was, he's, he's definitely a, a close friend of mine says that, he wants to come back as, as one of my dogs in the next life because Kahlua is living his best life. Living the life, baby. <laughs> living the life. <laughs> and he never... loves our high jump mats, by the way. Not, hey, okay, be careful. Uh, you know, if he does anything on that's not a warranty. Just don't want to put that no, out. No, no, no. Right. He's, he, he, he's, he keeps them and he, yeah, he, he loves them. Uh, underrated, overrated. Uh, I said three to four day meat, like long meats. Uh, I'm not going to call out any meats. There's, I love all the mm -hmm. meats out there, but oh, long, long meats versus like a day meat or two day meats. Overrated, underrated. Uh, I like the short meats. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Long meats are overrated. And I think, I think, um, one of the, the, I won't say that. <laughs> I don't know that anything positive with COVID, but I think, mm -hmm. but some of the, you know, we had some very competitive meets last year i think whenever we force people to think outside the box right and, and you know so to me it was um you know I, th I think junior olympics is a little bit different but at the collegiate level mm -hmm. you know um i think that the you know i think we can do some really really cool things without you know these long marathon yeah 12 15 hour day meets I'm, I'm with you i was at a track meet and you know it was a big one I, again i won't name the meet. it's great meet uh and it was raining and the, and the decathlon was going on and my i facetimed with my wife amy amy uh, by the way every time mm -hmm. i plug her name in my phone you pop up and i'm like one day i'm gonna call amy <laughs> dean by accident <laughs> i just hope i don't say anything <laughs> but uh i was facetiming her in the hotel and she's like aren't you supposed to be at the meet and i was like oh it's raining i go i've got three to four days here I don't have to be out there. Those guys and gals do. I'll see them tomorrow. The weather's better. It's all good. Mm. Yeah. Long, long track meets completely overrated. I'm with you. Uh, we alluded to this earlier watching TV. You, you said you don't watch reality TV overrated, underrated on just chilling with it. I don't see you chilling, watching TV. I just don't see it. No, that was, that goes back to the, to when we got shut down. I, I made two packs. I was not going to gain 15 pounds and I wasn't going to look back and, all I did was watch Netflix and I achieved both. So I was very proud of myself for that. Nice. So, yeah, nice. I, it was really cool that people put together the, we had a lot of great conversations about track and, yeah. you know, some professional development stuff. So, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I do watch TV, but it's very limited and I love sports. So what's your show? Do you have a show right now? I'm hooked on um, the three FBI's. Mm. FBI, FBI Most Wanted, and FBI International. So yeah, I don't know why, but yeah, and I, I was, I was brokenhearted this year because Mark Harmon went off NCIS. So that's that's basically my 
I'm very li limited. And I did start watching. I mean, I watch some stuff here and there, but um, yeah, that's, no, I'm no, very limited in my TV watching. No, no comedies. Those are very serious drama type shows. No, oh, no, no, no. I don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> I know you well enough that that's not true. It may be different, no, but it's it. not in existence. Come on. Now. I'm not a huge comedy person when it comes to, to movies and TV shows. All right, that's, fair. that's fair. I like to have a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but I, uh, but not in my, in my TV watching. So we talked about long track meets, underrated, overrated, the long bus rides that we have to get to meet sometimes with our team. Um, underrated. Yeah. Right. I think, you know, I get some, I get a lot of work done on a bus or a plane <laughs> with yeah. no distractions. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The plane is kind of like my, like, that's where all my good ideas come from because no one else is around and I'm just zoned in. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Long bus rides are also where we, like, that's where relationship really happens, right? You're, you're stuck with the person next to you on your team and like, maybe you didn't know anything about them and you get to just chat and find out man we're both from west virginia or something like that you know that's long bus rides are, are Being in florida though we don't get to do them very often so somebody like you know like somebody who's a school that's a little more century located you know we basically only bus to gainesville and jacksonville after that's, that it's i i almost didn't put it on there because i was like okay i know she has to bust to gainesville there's no way you're doing that but at jacksonville yeah. even i was kind of like oh you might fly. that's a that's a haul right we've done both we've yeah. done both yeah so it just depends all right. Uh, I, I think I know the answer to this one. Sushi. Underrated. Right. Come on. What was that place we went to uh, a couple of years ago in town? Yeah, it's closed now. No. Yeah. Yes, oh, it that, is. It's that place closed. was lit. But, but we have a, We have great sushi. Yeah, well, there yeah, are so many yeah. great sushi places here. Hey, so. so in a couple of weeks, actually, when this uh, by the time this airs in a couple of days, uh, Amy and I are flying to Costa Rica. Uh, her brother is getting married to a Costa Rican. So we're going you know, down there for that. And my wife is so smart when she plans these trips, right? We're actually, so we're flying into Miami and our flight is not until the next day. So we have a night in Miami. And then the very next, when we come back, same thing. So I need you to text me, where do we need to go for sushi then? All right. Let, tell, me, know. let me know where you're staying and I'll, I'll uh, take uh, care of you. Airport Hilton. Uh, okay. It's, yeah, real simple. We're, you know, because we're only there for the night. So it's like, yeah, we're just staying right there. Yeah. Text, text me where, where we need to go. Okay. Yeah. Sushi, okay. super underrated. I could maybe eat that every day, possibly. Yes. The, the sad thing is my 10 uh, year old boy also loves sushi. And that means it gets real expensive around the house, man. Whew. Oh, man. All right. We're getting close. We're getting there, Amy. Uh, South Beach, underrated, overrated? Underrated. Because? Um, well, South Beach is, it's, um, the beach is awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, I think maybe the nightlife is overrated. Mm -hmm. So it look, it depends on how you look at South Beach. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. the beach and, and you know, that type of stuff, I think, is it's just it's it's beautiful out there. So are, are lots you, of things to. Are you a beach person? I I, I don't see you yes. going and just. Oh, do you like you go just chill at the? I beach? mean, I don't go a lot, but I love the water. I love the beach. Yeah. Yeah, but you're not going like to read a book. Like again, I just can't see you sitting down any one place for two hours. <laughs> no. You're, you're going. You're like you're enjoying. You're having fun playing. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, that that makes yeah. sense. Uh, all right. Uh, next to the last one, underrated, overrated, indoor track and field. And that means like versus like outdoor track and field. Can I be neutral? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you're so good. <laughs> I mean, okay. You can be neutral as long as you agree that outdoor track and field is way better 
and that's not saying anything bad about indoor. I love indoor track and field. I love indoor track and field because it has a roof, meaning I don't have to worry about rain yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I've seen some incredible indoor track meets. I mean, they, they're different, you know, and they, you know, but I think that, um, but I, yeah, I, I think they all have, they both have their, their, I guess if you had to really, outdoor does have more. I but thought asking. I, I think coach, indoor has a has a has, has a role, and I'm not. I'm not. Even though we don't have an indoor facility and we yeah, travel, I was gonna I say. Still don't. I, I thought asking the head coach of the University of Miami, Florida, would be like, oh yeah, outdoor all day. I don't want to go under a canopy unless I have to. Yeah. Wow, neutral, neutral. Okay, last <laughs> topic, and this is gonna be a good one, I think. Uh, here, Amy. Uh, under this is like the most softball question there is here. By the way, underrated, overrated. Female coaches, coaches who are women. Underrated. Tell me more. Um, I think we're much better. Um, but I think, and I really, and I think, you know, things that have happened in the last few years, but I think there was a point in time where administrators just couldn't get their minds around a female coaching males. Mm. Um, it goes back to even my philosophy, what I told you earlier on the podcast, you know, most young people, they just want to get better. They want to come, they want to work hard and they want to get better. If that's a female, if that's a male, um, you know, not everybody, but I, I really, young people, they want to go, they pick a school because they are confident that that person can get them to the next level. And I don't, I think that the young people we coach were smarter and figured it out a lot sooner than administrators did. Um, and then, but I think you're seeing that switch. I think you're seeing, I mean, for years, I worked with with um, with NFL guys getting ready for combines and things like that. They came to me not because I'm a male or female, because people I told them I could help them get better. So, like, but I again, I think athletes were smarter than, and I don't mean in any disrespect. Mm -hmm. I've had great administrators. Right, right. Part of the reason why I'm still at Miami, but oh, I'm sorry, oh. I'm losing. I'm just a technical mess today. <laughs> You hear me? That, now, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, now that makes, I like how you put that. And, and it was interesting. You talked about football players coming to you because you're the speed expert. I don't care if you're a male, female, because uh, that may be, you know, this very broad stroke here, more, one of the more ego tough guys there is, right? Not only football players, mm -hmm. but the University of Miami football player, come on, you know, the swagger and all that stuff. And they mm -hmm. were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to get better for the next level. And you seem to do a really good yeah. job at it. So help me out with this 40 yard time here. Uh, right. And, 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 you know, you've gone through a, a, a long transition with the history you have here. When you became a head coach back in the nineties, not many women head coaches, maybe not many women coaches in general. Mm -hmm. And now here we are at 2021. I'd probably it's better i think you know again not knowing the stats you know to be 100 correct uh, accurate in the statement i think there are more female coaches but i still don't know that we're at the level where it maybe should be oh we we can always get better hmm. i think we can always get better and I, I think we are um even internationally when i first started traveling uh, mm -hmm. my first usa team was 2003 um and the u.s you know thanks to people like brooks johnson we're always pro women and, and mm -hmm. getting women involved. And that's one thing with USA track and field, they were always, um, you know, always strongly, you know, promoted women on the, on the women's side of the international teams. But when traveling internationally in 2003 to 2000, you know, whatever, um, you know, the amount of even female coaches 
at that level was even worse than it was in the United States. So, um, you know, even you go back to when, when, uh, Bev was just going to Texas, Miami, you know, you had a lot of young women that didn't want to go to a school. They'd never been coached by a female, didn't want to be coached by a female. Didn't It scared them that, you know, the unknown. Right. So, I mean, you know, so the fast forward to now and to see, you know, um, just to see all the young people that, that want to coach and then they're getting into coaching and um, it, it's exciting because, um, you know, in my 31 years, I've seen a lot. And, and that's one of the biggest things is just is now, you know, I, I haven't had somebody tell me, you know, for years now that, you know, oh, I've never been coached by a woman. I don't want to be coached. You know, it's, it's not as common of a, as a, you know, as it was, you know, maybe 10 years ago, 12 mm-hmm. years ago. So, so yes, it's definitely women, you know, can do it and they're doing it well. And, you know, we just, yeah, we just need to keep, you know, and inspiring and encouraging our young people to to go into, you know, to meet what I feel is the greatest profession in the world is coaching. So, amen, you know. amen, amen. I mean, that's I, I wish I could stop the podcast right there because that's amen. That's exactly exactly right. I, I was thinking about on the drive in today about the head coaches that are females. And I was like, man, I think the SEC might be leading the way here. I know you're an ACC mm-hmm. person here, but you know, I was thinking about Thea and Beth and Carol and Connie, and I'm probably missing one or two. I was trying to think of it off the top. Did of you head. say Althea? I didn't hear. Yeah. 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 Althea was, yeah, yeah. Althea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then I think of others like, you know, Karen Dennis and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, see, there it is. I stopped, uh, um, uh, that Karen down in Texas. I mean, there's just, there is more and it's getting better. Mm-hmm. And that that's where, you know, we talked about the top of the podcast about representation matters. It's interesting. You said, you know, some people have never been coached by a female. So they're, you know, there are all these false scares of theirs. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've done a better job at getting females to coach in the high school level. So now that, you know, so now when I'm thinking about college, like, oh, okay, like, like you haven't, that's why it was awesome that, you know, your, your coach was a uh, female as well. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is just, like, it's not special. What I mean by that is like, oh, yep, if it's a he or her, they can coach. As long as they're right. a good coach, right? That's what it's about, about right. the, the coaching. So so to end it, Amy, uh, take it broader, not just speaking to uh, to women coaches out there, but, you know, looking back, you, you've got something extremely valuable, right? You you have perspective. You can look back to the mm-hmm. mistakes you've made, the, the things that have happened, the people that have been in your life and the positives and uh, things that you've crafted on your own from uh, being on the shoulders of other coaches uh, that we'd mentioned earlier. What advice would you have to a coach you know, the, let's call them a rookie coach. They're in their first five years of coaching, whether mm-hmm. it's high school, college, uh, you, you can be specific if, if you'd like, but just in general, I'm thinking, what advice would you give 30 years, tons of success, one of the most revered people in this profession as well, not just, oh yeah, she's awesome coach, awesome person. What advice would you give to coaches for longevity? Like, hey, I, I'm doing this five years. I want to be coaching for 50 years. What advice mm-hmm. would you give for, for young people, young coaches out there. I, I do this. I, I say this a lot, especially, um, you know, when I've, when I'm talking to female coaches in general, um, but, but it, it applies to both. I think balance, I don't have balance, but I chose not to have balance, you know, like to me, I have a passion for what I do. I still have that passion. Um, so for me, I probably don't have great balance. So it's kind of like practice, you know, do as I say, not as I do, but, um, I mean, but I do, but, but at the same time, you know, I, 
I have a great network of friends and things, but, um, but I think, you know, balance, um, and, and I, you know, um, even with, even with my staff, like there's, you know, uh, our throws coach has kids, you know, just in different. So I try to, I try to look at things and give young people advice. And the fact that, you know, my way might not be, you know, Mm -hmm. it might not be the best way, you know, because family is important. And so those types of, so I think balance and then keeping your perspective, um, is I think is very important. You, I, I touched on a little bit earlier and I really truly believe like, like my passion is young people and helping them achieve their goals. Um, I think sometimes if we put, if we don't keep in mind why we're actually coaching and why we're in college athletics or high school athletics or whatever, you know, it's for the young people. It's not for our egos. It's not for, so to me, keeping that perspective, being true to yourself um, and keeping that balance, you know, the, the X's and O's, so to speak, the, the, the technical aspects of how to run the hundred or how to run the hurdles or, you know, distance, you know, whatever throws, whatever our, you know, the event area is those things, you, you get better, you get experience, but I think you have to be true to yourself to truly, you know, to, to be the best you can be and, and do the best we can for the young people that we're coaching. The young people we coach are coming in with a lot of challenges. So we've got to have it together. Well, I, I, I love your self-awareness there, Amy, in regards to you and your staff of like, hey, you know, you said do as I say, not as I do, which which is important, right? But the self-awareness of like, okay, this is how I've chosen my life. And I'm extremely happy and passionate with the way I do my life. But don't feel the pressure just because I'm the the head coach here, the director. I'm not asking you to do what I do, coach and coach well and live your lives how you choose. Mm -hmm. I love that self-awareness and that you, you know, that you have to be conscious about that because it very easily, you know, you're, you're big dog, right? So it's easily to just be like, Oh, look what Amy did. That's what I've got to do if I'm going to be successful. And it's like, mm -hmm. possibly that could be your route, but perspective and balance is uh, probably a better recipe for longevity uh, for the right. majority of people. Awesome. Uh, Amy, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, I'm thank just, you. Oh man. Uh, you know, to get here and, uh, you know, almost bare your soul, right. To talk about your journey and the ups and downs and the advantages and disadvantages. Uh, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing always to do for, for everybody. And so, um, but, but it's valuable, right? First of all, your journey matters and people hearing your journey matters. You know, there, there's, there is someone right now listening that in 30 years, I'll, I'll be interviewing him or her <laughs> and they'll be like, mm -hmm. you know, like, so, who, you know, what were the influences in your life? Like, you know, I listened to Amy's podcast <laughs> and it meant something. Well, I hope so. <laughs> so, uh, and, and to your point about, you know, the, the bigger picture here of not just coaching the fastest 400 hurdler and the fastest 800 meter runner, you know, the scope of what you're doing for young people, that is also, whether you like it or not, that's also a responsibility of a coach who has put in the work, the decades, you're a leader, you're an example. And so having that understanding of greater good of coaches, uh, you know, my, my job is to, to help lift them up. Uh, that's extremely valuable. And I'm just so thankful that you would give us time today and, and help spread that, that journey. Well, thanks for asking me. I, I really enjoyed it. So, awesome. and, and we talked longer than I thought I would. Could, I, so. I, I told you, I told you, yeah. Uh, what is it, hour and 20, roughly hour and 15. Uh, 
really important. Don't forget to text me <laughs> sushi recommendations. I got you. Because that's important. And even more important, thank you so much for being here. You know, I'm just so humbled that you would join us week after week. I love the guests that we are just really, honestly, it's humbling. We're right in the middle of uh, fall training. And right now we're getting ready for when we record this, the NCAA cross country national championships are mm -hmm. coming up. Indoor season's about to hit here and then it's full bore. So I'm just always yeah. humbled that our guests would join us. And I'm so thankful for Amy being here today. And I'm thankful for you being here listening. Uh, let's do it again next week. We're going to have another awesome coach and it's just going to be another fun time. So thanks for being here and we'll catch you next week.